Hello world and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. I'd like to actually take this time to say thank you so much for all of you who have been listening to the podcast. Uh, your kind words are a great inspiration and I really appreciate it. Uh, but this week uh, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to two very uh, wonderful uh, women, uh, Carissa J. Adams and Colleen Carey. Now, Carissa is a producer and also one of the cast members of a play that'll be going on at the uh, Hollywood Fringe uh, down in Southern California called Speak I Will. Uh, the group is called Fractured Shakespeare. Now, this is what they've done. They've actually taken the works of King Lear, uh, Macbeth, uh, Henry V, and The Taming of the Shrew. So m- most of uh, uh, the male roles and you know the female roles, uh, they've taken the text from all of these plays and then they've put them together uh, to form a really great experience uh, for the audience. And uh, Colleen, I actually know, we actually worked together in a concept uh, film not too long actually it'll be a year uh it's it's a really cool zombie flick that i can't wait for you guys to see once it gets ready to go out and uh she's one of the cast members of the show and uh yeah you know when i found out this was happening i did some research and then i spoke with colleen we had a great time catching up and i was like hey you guys need to come on the show and so uh well here they are so ladies and gentlemen i present to you miss carissa j adams and colleen carey it's crazy thanks guys for uh for coming on this was uh i really really dig the the fact that it was literally just a matter of days. Usually it takes me at least a good week to uh, book a guest. So, you know, you know, because you're, you're playing phone tag, you're playing, you know, uh, text tag and email tag and all that stuff. And, you know, just general life happens. So, you know, just by the seat of your pants, you just kind of, you know, but yeah, they're, you know, just, just, you know, I really dig the fact that, you know, this happened so fast. So I think I kind of like this because it gives me a little sense of urgency. And yeah, so there we go. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah. So ladies, just introduce yourselves. Uh, Carissa, let's start with you. And then Colleen, you know, you're next. My name is Carissa J. Adams, and I am producer and actor in the production of Speak I Will by Fractured Shakespeare. My name is Colleen Carey, and I am one of the performers in Fractured Shakespeare's newest production, which is called Speak I Will, in the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Awesome. Now, Colleen, uh, Colleen and I, we know each other uh, briefly. We did a, uh, a proof of concept short film called uh, ZTV, which, Colleen, I actually uh, interviewed uh, Jason yesterday. Uh-huh. He says hello. <laughs> yeah. I miss that guy. He's uh yeah. smart, smart and weird, just the way I like him. Oh man, yeah. We, right? we talked a little bit. Oh, definitely, definitely. We talked for a bit about uh world building and how he's, you know, how he's created uh this 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 IP and uh yeah, it's it's really cool. I can't wait for it to to get off the ground. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just by us being on set and talking to you for the brief moment that we did because we got to your part like right at the tail end of you having to 
having to race to the airport, which yeah. was uh, harrowing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was crazy. I think um, the way that we had stacked up the shoot day, um, you know, we were trying to figure it out, but it was like. Uh, just, you know, things going wrong and then something else going wrong. Things kept getting pushed back, but we had, uh, not accounted for the, the travel time. And it was like, okay, <laughs> let's shoot the scene and then jump in the car. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you got it done. And, you know, and when I spoke to, when I spoke to Jason, you know, it, he got everything that, that he wanted. So, you know, kudos for all of us for getting it getting it done yeah <laughs> yeah and uh ever since then you know we've been keeping up with each other and you are doing you've been doing a couple of projects here and there and like you like i i look at you as feeding my my need to be on stage i haven't been on stage <laughs> for a good, little, a good little bit and uh every now and again i i feel the pain the pain mm -hmm. of being on stage you know, uh, I'll get to it. It'll happen. It'll happen. But, you know, it's just refreshing to see you doing some really kick-ass, kick-ass stuff. So thank you. How'd you get into Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and you know, you know what, I'll, I'll ask this question for the both of you. So how did you guys end up being, you know, being actors? <laughs> Carissa, you want to go first? Oh, oh, uh, sure. Um, I think it, started with going to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival when I was a little kid and I reportedly was on the edge of my seat in shows even at the age of four or five and then fast forward to being 10 years old and was able to be in a production of Taming of the Shrew and I played the widow um, at all of like three feet tall or, or however <laughs> tall I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I just loved it from the beginning. And, and I think by the time I was 12 years old, I just knew that I wanted to be an actor. Um, didn't ever really consider anything else after that. Um, just loved saying those words and, and exploring different characters and those experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a similar story. Um, although I think I was bitten by the bug when I was five. Um, my mom, uh, was a dancer and performer. She did a lot of musical theater and, uh, she had four kids and brought us all in to do commercials when we were small. Um, and when I was five, I did my first commercial and then somewhere around that time, there's a story in my family about how I was sitting in the back seat and my mother and my brother were talking and my mom's explaining to my brother, uh, why someone had lied. And I suddenly began to speak in the back seat, holding my dolls. And I said, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And they both look like <laughs> their, their heads spun around and stared at me in disbelief. And I thought that I needed to clarify because they were looking at me like I was an alien. So I said, that's Shakespeare. 
And <laughs> right, because you know, <laughs> five year old just spitting out some Shakespeare is totally okay. Totally, it's normal. So, so I've always been really normal in uh, in all the ways, including this one. No, not really. Hashtag not really. Hashtag not normal. Um, and that has been the story of my entire life. I uh, did commercials and. TV and uh, maybe some film and some theater from uh, age five to 14 in Seattle. And then I moved to Los Angeles and went to the Los Angeles County High School for the Arts and then uh, went to a conservatory in North Carolina after that. Um, and I actually took a, a hiatus from acting from the time that my son was zero to 10 and then I missed it so much that I just could not, I, I couldn't, I tried to do other things. I really tried to go and be a property manager and I tried to be a, an accountant and I tried to manage restaurants and I just hated all of it. And I was like, oh, that's why, because this is who I am. Uh, and so that, that's yeah. kind of how that happens. You never leave the game. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is life. <laughs> I'm thinking of an Eminem lyric right now. <laughs> <laughs> something like can't leave rap alone. The game needs you or something. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. I mean, cool, cool. yeah, no, but throwing it back, but definitely, but definitely, you know, as, as a parent, you know, that thing happened to me as well, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I became the stay-at-home dad. And even though I I was still doing some artistic stuff, I was still trying to find like a real job. And it's not that you don't mm -hmm. want to, it's that like, I don't know, I don't want to say can't, but I just think your body and your spirit just makes it so that you're not supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be doing that. And our will is greater than what your rational mind <laughs> is is thinking yeah you know Spe yeah specifically as a parent um everything came into sharp focus one afternoon when i was talking to my son and i was giving him you know motivational speech number 946 mm. which is you can be anything you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up and he looked not at me but through me and said something to the effect of, oh, well, what did you dream of when you, what did you want to be when you grew up? And yeah. I suddenly was like, oh no, I'm a fraud. Mm -hmm. And very mm -hmm. soon he's going to know that I'm full of beep and yeah. he'll never listen to a word I say because he won't respect me. Unless wow. I am true to, to that own self be true. Um, so yeah. it kind of like, you know, I, I could see that the only path forward was to be who I am and that I'd always been an actor and that's who, who I am and what I am. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, you know, you were, you were saying that story and I was like, not, Yep, that's me. That, that's what happened to me. And, uh, you know, I just think that when 
when you have those moments, especially with the child, because they're just going to spit back whatever you give them. Like they are true mirrors, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, you know, so thank thank God I give my son a version of the truth that I know that he can like actually listen to. Because if I tried to make up the whole Santa Claus thing, I mean, he he knows it's the let Santa Claus not. Anyway, so, you know, you just don't want to, it'll catch up on you. So, Carissa, warning, it'll catch up on you. That, One way or another, we, yeah. you cannot Yeah, we it. got caught up in parent talk, and so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. but so, that could happen, I think, ahead. for anyone. I mean, sometimes that comes from um, a family member, uh, if it's a parent or an aunt or a sibling or maybe a mentor. I've heard other people tell stories like that, too, Uh where one day you suddenly look in the mirror and wake up uh, and realize mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, that your calling is not going to be easy. It's not going to be in a straight line, but you must regardless the cost. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, Carissa, you, you spent like four years down in, in L.A. now. Yes. So how has that been for you? The highs, the Ooh. lows, all that. Yeah, definitely highs and lows <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, I think I was about to say that I, I feel that I've come to that point several times where I thought that I was ready to quit. Um because it was too hard and it was too much and, and, you know, I couldn't handle the rejection anymore or, um, I was just tired of auditioning, um, or whatever the reason was at the moment. Um, you know, coming to that brink and, and like, I'm done, (laughs) but something always happens that brings me back. Um, or I just have figured out, okay, I need a break or I need to change something about how I'm doing things. Um, Right. Yeah. So it's definitely a a struggle and, and uh, have, yeah, considered other options several times, but. Right, right, right. So what, what was some of the things that, that you thought needed to change or how did you adapt, so to speak? Yeah. Well, I think the most recent, moments I had uh, that was like that uh, came this last December. I almost took a job across the country um, working at a theater, but it would have been not acting. Um, It would have been on the production side. And Uh I went through the whole process because I I was tired of LA and tired of everything (laughs) and wanted to change. Um, figured out that that I didn't actually want that job. Uh, I was just pursuing that because I wanted something different. So it took a couple months of kind of taking a break one. Um, So I booked out with my agent. Um, I actually ended up uh, dropping my manager. because I felt like we weren't on the same page. And mm-hmm. and then 
what I ended up finding was that I, I really wanted to do more producing. And then as a result came Speak I Will for Hollywood Fringe. Um, and that really reminded me why I'm doing this and that it isn't about the money and that it's about doing projects that I'm passionate about, even if that means that I'm the one that has to make them happen. I can't wait for them to happen. And it's been really difficult, but really rewarding. Um, And we perform in two days. Ah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Awesome. And and I think I think that's that's what uh that's that's the thing that we're dealing with here is that, you know, as performers, as actors, you know, we're taught that we're we need to do one thing and one thing only. Mm-hmm. And and I, me personally, I've never been that person that was not not to say that I never wanted to follow rules, but I knew that I had a natural curiosity towards the entertainment business, you know, hmm. whether it was producing or whether it was, you know, directing or whether it was writing or what, ha- or what have you. Like I always, you know, made, my, made myself either available uh, to have those other experiences or just wound up doing those other things, mm-hmm. right? So when did you come to the realization that you needed to create your own work? Ooh, I don't think it was a moment in time, but kind of a gradual realization that, uh, you know, I have organized projects before. Um, even my senior year of high school, I actually basically created the drama program at my tiny high school Um and made that happen along with the help of my mom and faculty and and all of that. But um, maybe it's actually just looking back at the times in my life that I've been most proud of the projects that I've done. And it's usually been things that I initiated or initiated with my friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's really about creating with the people that I love and that I have a kindred artistic connection with. Um, That's what really ignites something in me and makes it all worth it. Um, So yeah, I think just a gradual realization of that. and making a conscious decision to pursue that more and not just let it happen only when I'm frustrated or only when the circumstances are just right, um, but to actually pursue it. Cool, cool. Now, how I got to learn about about you, uh, Carissa, is because Colleen was telling me, uh, I found out that, you know, she was doing fractured uh, your your group is called Fractured Shakespeare, yes. right? Like, yes. Okay, cool, cool. And the actual show is called what again? Speak I Will. Speak I Will. So, yeah, so when I, I heard about this, I saw the video and was like, yo, I need to see what, what this is all about. <laughs> so, 
you know, I immediately like jumped, jumped in the matrix, AKA Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, yes. and I was like, tell me, tell me about this. So Colleen, uh, give us a brief intro as to how this affected you and why you needed to be a part of this production. And uh, Carissa, if you could tell me a little bit about Fractured Shakespeare and, and, and your show being performed at a, at the what, LA Fringe. <laughs> Yeah, Hollywood uh-huh. French yeah. Festival. Hollywood French, yeah. Yeah, so briefly, Fractured Shakespeare takes text from different parts of Shakespeare's works and creates new projects and new stories from that t- text. Uh, it started as just a practical exercise for myself to mm-hmm. practice acting and... Uh, explore Shakespeare's work. So I started with little videos that were 15 seconds long and just taking one line from Hamlet and one line from Macbeth and putting them together and and seeing what happened. Um, And then that from that, I've developed more works, one of them being a short film called Was It Rape Then? And we released that a couple years ago. Um, and that the text from that short film is my monologue for Speak I Will, mm. uh, which is at Hollywood Fringe. Cool. So how, how, how did you find the right lines, you know, from each individual play? That's, that's, in lack of, in lack of a better way of saying it, that's kind of blowing my mind because you're like, how how are you thumbing through all all this work and you're finding things to say? Yeah, um, part of it started with I decided maybe five or six years ago that even though I love Shakespeare, I didn't know enough enough about it, and I hadn't read every play, uh, nor had mm-hmm. I seen every play. So I challenged myself to read through the complete works uh, in a year. Uh, or less. Uh, So I did. And when I was going through it, I started just noting text that I really loved. Um, So it started with that. But then I also have to admit that I have a Shakespeare app on my phone, which makes it very easy (laughs) to search words or search characters. Uh, So if I'm thinking like, oh, I remember that Iago says something about X, Y, or Z, you know, so I can, you know, search in there, um, which makes it a lot easier. Um, But there are times too, when uh, I've been working on fractured Shakespeare pieces and we just literally have a Shakespeare's work in, in our laps and like are flipping through. And then you find a line that just happens to be perfect for whatever you're looking for. Um, So it happens multiple ways. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I was just going to, I'm just chiming in on that. I think um, one thing um, I I too, in the past several years have been realizing that as much as I love it, I don't know as much about Shakespeare as I, as I wish I did. I mean, I could spend all day, every day uh, inside of Shakespeare's works, either uh, working with them from a more, academic perspective uh or a performance perspective um there's so much but Mm -hmm. what one tends to find if you 
uh, lead through the physical book itself or use an app. I have a couple of those apps too. And I, they're a little like online games. Like I just get lost down the rabbit hole. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a gamer, but I could, I could waste <laughs> hours, hours, like looking yeah. through, uh, this word or that word. And I guess if you are the kind of person who has a naturally dramaturgical mind, it's just what you do for fun. Um, like needlepoint or beading or like teeny tiny phonemes are wonderful. Um, but I think, uh, also one can discover that many of the plays, uh, whether the comedies or the tragedies or the histories or, mm -hmm. uh, sonnets or any part of the canon, uh, it's once you do a little bit of digging, you see that Shakespeare himself was inspired by one story and then redrafted it and created it into uh, another story or another formulation of that same story. And Coriolanus is a perfect example. Uh, Shakespeare uh, borrowed Coriolanus from mm. Plutarch and then Brecht borrowed Coriolanus from Shakespeare and Plutarch and then T.S. Eliot borrowed from Brecht and Shakespeare and Plutarch. So if you look at all four of those uh, sort of on a longer statistical bell curve, you start to see all these similarities yeah. and words yeah. and concepts yeah. and yeah. ideas. And then when you go back to uh, two lines or four lines or six, six lines, <laughs> just inside that one little section <laughs> of <laughs> sets of couplets, you like, oh man, that word, that one word okay. means so much now, you know? That's right. <laughs> We think. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. So uh, how did you guys meet? No, we were like, we were like in the community together in Seattle. Um, and uh, we, we probably met mm -hmm. in a, a master class scenes and monologues. There are very few of those weekly ongoing scenes and monologues workshop master classes for working union artists in Seattle, um, which is kind of a shame, but it's, it's, it's a rather small market. So we met in Seattle in that way. Um, or we met at some kind of film summit thing, but yeah. And then I, and, and then I started stalking Carissa on social media because she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much how I've been uh, yeah. keeping up with, with everybody. And and then also like, ooh, you need to be on my podcast. Let me see what you're doing. <laughs> then no one knows yet, but I'm like, I'm stalking. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the, it, for the best reasons. No, it's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Specifically, to your question that you asked a couple minutes ago, mm -hmm. how, how did I find my way, you know, or how did we get connected? Um, I was, I was, uh, stalking Carissa because she's doing these really cool things and really beautiful, um, videos and pieces of monologues that have been on her social media, Instagram specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I had been watching them and like, Oh man, that's so amazing. And, I've been producing um, a number of Shakespeare 
feminist Shakespeare themed shows in Seattle. And I had just said to two of my you know closest collaborators, you know, we're doing this project and it's awesome. And I really want to make a short film, not that's a sequel, but that's sort of adjacent to this project. And then I swear to God, I looked on Instagram and I saw this project that Carissa was talking about it and that they were uh, in the casting phase of this particular branch of it. And then I saw this little film and my head exploded and I spun around like a three-year-old girl and I was like, I want to clapping my hands. I want to do that. I want to do that. (laughs) Nice. And then I had to calm myself down and send a a sort of professional message like, hi. Oh my gosh. I was was just so ecstatic that Colleen was interested. It's like, Colleen, Carrie wants to be in my show? And she would come down from Seattle? Oh my God. Uh, yes, yes, because this it's the idea is so unique. I mean, you can look around and do a Google search for this kind of thing, but this is advancing the conversation. It's not just, I mean, all female Shakespeare made this huge impact and became this sort of unstoppable uprising in 2012 with Philida Lloyd and Harriet Walter at the Donmar Warehouse. And then throughout the world, these little hamlets, uh, you know, sprung up from, and I don't mean literal hamlet, I mean like hamlet as in farmstead. I don't mean hamlet as in the play. Um, um, Hamlets and farms uh, kept popping up all over the world. But now what's happening is these amazing um, kind of experiments with Shakespeare's original language that are not so uh, careful, not so reverent, not so sacrosanct, uh, breaking apart these little pieces and literally playing with them like a company of actors is like finally being told that it's you're in the museum and you can't actually touch the painting. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest misconception of of a Shakespearean uh, piece and that is like it's like it's only for the elite mm-hmm. even when you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, and and the messed up thing about it was that these shows were done not for the elite but for the masses, which is mm-hmm. ridiculously exactly. ironic. So it's yeah, so good for you guys for for you know taking it back to old school. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, supposed to be done. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think like the big question, you know, is that you know you're taking these works and you're totally making them your own. You know, if it, it, it feels right, it's normal to me. It's something that I know I would want to you know watch if given the opportunity. But <laughs> what is going on? I guess in the in the in the realm of Shakespeare and women and the roles and then taking like taking some ownership in that saying like it's okay for me to do these other roles other than you know what was written on on the page for me well for me I'm totally I'm like oh man I'm so glad you asked that question do you want to go first Carissa no go for it okay uh in a word uh, 
and this is something that we talked about the other day. Uh, but in a word, I think it has to do with, there are so many women's roles within Shakespeare's canon where women have little or no agency and almost always they are the object of some major storyline, some major plot device. Uh, they are pawns, if you will, that are sort of moved from one scene to the next. And having the ability to make uh, a woman or an all-female identifying person or, um, or even someone who's just not male, um, to make that person the subject and not the object of the story of the conversation is an action that moves the needle toward equity and equality. Right. Yes. All right. I agree with that. And, uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do you concur? <laughs> yes, I, I concur. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think in addition, I just wanted to play these roles that had these meaty monologues, uh, these meaty lines um that I don't think that I would normally be cast as um, unless it's an all-female or uh, non-traditional casting. Um, I just wanted to say those words. And I, mm -hmm. I was tired of not having permission <laughs> to say those words. Um, so you gave yourself permission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. Giving myself permission. Um and I think too, it's it should be noted that these monologues are the human experience, not just the male experience, um, or even the female experience um, for the female roles. Um, right. That what Shakespeare is is writing is human and humanity, and that's available to anyone, no matter your gender, and. So what Fractured Shakespeare is doing is just taking it out of that context of how we think the story should go or, or how the original uh, text was intended and just saying, no, these are, this is true to my experience. No matter who it, these words were meant for in the beginning, I am saying these words and they are true to me in this moment right now mm -hmm. in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, like this, this whole thing kind of reminds me of when, when I would see uh, something either like in the backstage or on Craigslist or whatever, inf whatever information was being put out as far as like, hey, here's an audition, we're looking for this type of person, they need to look like this, mm -hmm. they need to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And as long as I knew it wasn't either like, you know, race specific, Right. Like I'd send in my headshot. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I can play a doctor who's like between 30 and 40 years old and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 I'm sending in my headshot. And then literally like I get called in and the odds of me getting that role were actually a lot higher, hmm. you know, than, you know, which which. I, I, what I'm saying is that there are no rules in this, yeah. you know, yeah, none whatsoever. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, um, so talk to us. So what, what was cool about, about your short, your short film, uh, talk, talk to us about that. How did that come to be? You produced that, right? How did you yes, put that together? Yes, I co-produced that with uh, two other uh, friends of mine who were awesome producers. Um, it started uh-huh. as a monologue that I wrote for a uh, cabaret a couple years ago. Um, and that cabaret is focused on consent and uh, doing consent education and kind of art as healing, um, letting survivors perform and express themselves as a form of healing. Uh, So I performed for that cabaret and wanted to make a fractured Shakespeare monologue that was specific to consent. So I Mm -hmm. uh, pieced together uh, this text from all these different plays and and performed it at that cabaret. Um, And one of those producers was at that cabaret and we connected after that. And he said, you know, you have to do something with this. And I said, yes, I need, I need to do something. Let's, let's make a short film. Um, so together we turned it into this short film and released it online, um, almost exactly two years ago. And it went over really well. Um, which was, beyond my expectations, but it seemed like a awesome. very important thing to say. And I think it, it was in the air. Uh, I, yeah. Oh yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. That's like the height of. Yeah. I, I wrote it just after the 2016 election. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was you very know, passionate I, about I think, it at the, at the time and it's yeah. still relevant. No, it definitely, it definitely is. And, and and I think as an artist, I think a lot of things or a lot of openings happened, you know, after, after the election of 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and actually this podcast is, is one of the things that I thought about doing, you know, after 2016. Hmm. You know, so, you know, the main purpose, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, listened to any episodes, like basically the main reason why I wanted to do this podcast was to uh, be another like rational voice and then also also wanting (laughs) and then also wanting to champion uh, the practice of civil discourse. Hmm. So talking to someone that you may not have a lot in common with and, and, and attempting to find some type of common ground. So whether it's religious or political views or whatever, like, you know, we need to try and find something, you know, that we can relate to, you know, instead of just shouting into the void, Hmm. you know, because that's what, that's what I actually thought of this whole thing of using social media just to be so a social justice warrior like a part-time social justice warrior Mm -hmm. you know like it just seems like a lot of people just screaming into this you know machine and yeah it's like scornography yeah because it's all you know in the future everyone will be outraged for 15 minutes (laughs) like okay you're outraged (laughs) 
Yes. Start the clock. 15 minutes. Okay, you done? All right, next. What are you mad about? <laughs> right. The news cycle, you got to catch back up with the news cycle. There's something else to be mad about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so that's the reason for this podcast. And, you know, so far I've, I've been able to interview lots, you know, lots of different types of types of people. And, you know, and I realized, you know, and again, with Colleen, uh, I, I had been wanting to chat with you on here anyway, you know, just because, you know, I needed to have I needed to have more female representation. I've got a lot of stuff backlog that I have to edit and, and push out. But, you know, when I was literally going through my episodes to see who I had and who I didn't have, I was like, oh, I need more. I need more female voices. I need more women voices, you know? So, and now I got two. Yay. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Oh no. It's yeah. Uh, whatever. Thank you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> 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 but uh so so talk to me about 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 the show that's going up so ha- where is it going up um how have rehearsals been going on and yeah talk to me about that yes so our performances are spread out through june it's a part of the hollywood fringe festival and the way that works is you reserve a venue and kind of pick from all these random dates. So our performances Mm -hmm. are on June 8th, June 16th, 21st, 29th, and then our last one on June 30th. Um, Yeah, and this process has been kind of unique because everyone is doing their own monologue. So I worked with each of the actors individually for the first month and a half or so. We Mm -hmm. started with a piece of text that they submitted to me more or less as their audition. And I asked that that text be something that they personally connected to for one reason or another. And from that, we explored who is this character? What is this story? And what is the journey that this character goes on in this short monologue? So from that, we both uh, explored text, found different pieces, and then put it together. So there are eight actors, eight different monologues, and we only started group rehearsals a couple weeks ago. So it's been a very short process in that sense that we've only been in the same room for not very long, actually. Uh, Monday was mm-hmm. the first time that we had everyone in the same room, uh, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, we're making it work, and everyone is talented and super dedicated, and I'm just honored that everyone's on board. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm certain that the uh, creator producer, um, you know, meaning you who brought on this team of three directors, there had to be some mindfulness toward that because I mean, I'm just I feel uh, very grateful and very, uh, you know, honored to be in this room working on this project. But all of these 
everyone working on the project is really um, gracious, like very giving, very uh, not just adaptable, but supportive and mm-hmm. sort of like pouring their best self and their best talents to frame the other performers in this way where the whole ensemble is uh, connected or care, care actually cares about each other. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's what's up. That, you yeah. know, that's, mm-hmm. that's refreshing, fresh, refreshing to hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, and with all things, we know that this is not cheap. Like it's not free, mm-hmm. you know? So how are you guys paying for this whole shindig? It's a huge sacrifice. I mean, let's be real. It's, it's, uh, you know, all the people in the room working on this project could be, uh, you know, pushing really hard to go and, um, you know, get this commercial job and that commercial job. And that's all they care about is, uh, their bottom line in advancing that individual actor or performer's brand. But you can't do that for too long because you burn out and you start to think about quitting because, because it's not, it's not art, you know? Yeah, definitely. But, uh, Colleen, you, you are, you have a GoFundMe. Can you, can you talk to us about that? Yes. Uh, so I have, uh, I have a, pretty full. I I work a fair amount in Seattle as much as I can. Um, and I have a son in college and a partner who, uh, will be returning to graduate school or sorry, returning to school in graduate studies in September. And I was like, wow, this sounds so cool. And I totally want to do it. And both my partner and our son were like, well, you have to go. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Um, so we put everything together in, um, the best way that we could. And I worked really, really hard, uh, to set aside, uh, a stable financial foundation for our home life, uh, back in Seattle uh, and was able to save up some money, but, um, it was suggested to me that a GoFundMe might be a good idea, uh, because there probably are people out there who want to support a project like this because of what the message is. And because I'm so passionate and I'm such a champion for women speaking up and speaking out. Mm. So, uh, And for me, you know, I consider myself a part of, uh, a bigger, I don't want to say movement, but a bigger, um, there's something that is happening outside of myself that is bigger. So if I allow myself to be, to plug into that story, um, then I can be used in some way that would be, um, of service to, um, you know, in a universal way, not just for women or for men or for, um, those who identify in their own way. Um, so 
that's really how that came about. And there have been quite a few incredibly generous folks who have donated to the GoFundMe uh, and or uh, donated um, lodging or transportation or, uh, yeah, I mean, I have just been beside myself with gratitude that people are like, yeah, go make more stuff. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and just the 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 universal, you know, feel to it, you know, what the the way I've been thinking about it, you know, is like this is that yes, these things can be universal, but it has to be done through your yes. vessel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. I yeah, and I, and I think any anybody can can see the humanity you know, you know, be behind that. And, you know, and again, not making it, making it so that you're, you're yelling at a computer screen, or you're trying to be right. You know what I mean? I think, I think the, the, the need for being right is over and for empathy and compassion <laughs> and shit like that. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, yeah, we, we can, I mean, Good Lord. I mean, I, we can sit up here and talk about injustices all day long mm-hmm. and they're valid and warranted. Right. Yes. Uh, and 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 we need to and it's up to us to actually uh, make those actions so that it doesn't happen again. Like it's our responsibility to do that. And so, yeah, I, I yeah. think it also I mean, it really comes down to the the essential reason why I have wanted to do this work, which is uh you know, which sort of looks like all female Shakespeare and now has evolved to working with fractured Shakespeare on speak. I will is that I, after the election was, you know, I mean, yeah, yelling at my computer screen and, uh, type, 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 delete, 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 type, 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 delete, 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 delete. Like I can't, I'm, it's just, you know, all the anger comes out, but I came to this, teleological pivotal moment when I just sat still and thought I could curse the darkness or I could light a candle. I could focus on the problem or I could focus on the solution. And if I offer some voice or some representation of uh, a message that carries with it unity that carries with it, um, uh, um, you know, compassion and empathy that that ultimately will draw people forward to come and watch and to participate in a theater event together. I mean, theater in ancient Greece used to be mandatory attendance. It was this PSA that people had to come to the theater and sit and hear their moral message. And not that we would want to preach or uh, send a message, but all those messages are imbued in the very act of having a woman speaking the lines of Hamlet or speaking the lines of Julius Caesar. It's, it's, it's all in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Carissa? Yes. Uh, To answer your question about how you can support, uh, come to the show. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you're in LA, yes. uh, come to the show. Our tickets are on sale through Hollywood Fringe. You can also follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Um, Instagram is the most active, I would say. Um, and there are links. Mm-hmm. The link to tickets is in our bio and available anywhere you follow us. Yeah, and that's Fractured Shakespeare, obviously, yes. but us individually, too, I imagine. Um, yeah. I mean, my handle on Instagram is I am Colleen Carey, uh, and the GoFundMe is called Shakespeare in La La Land. <laughs> yes. And all the links are um, are in my Instagram page and all the links to Fractured Shakespeare also. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well, ladies... Thank you. Oh, did you did you, oh, did I you was, have anything? Oh, just going to say my yeah. personal Instagram is Carissa C H A R I S S A actor, and Fractured Shakespeare is linked to that as well. Awesome! Ah, God, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off like that. That's totally okay. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm about to end the show, and <laughs> I didn't. You, talk you, you can edit that out. You can oh, edit well, that yeah, out. yeah, yeah. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, ladies, I I had a ball. I can't wait to see uh, what both of you guys are going to be up to next after this. So, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Thank uh, you. Thanks a lot for yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, yeah, good luck to both of you. So awesome, kick ass, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of LJ Presents. As always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then.